When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to Stumps. Yes, good afternoon everyone. A big warm welcome to Stumps. Great to have your company once again. Tristan Fernanda, my name. And we've got a smorgasbord of cricket action to discuss over the next little while. The Aussies in a world of strife. We'll get to that in a tick. And, well, almost a wicket. But it is it has been a case of so close yet so far for the Aussies as South Africa flexes its muscle. Coming up shortly, Chris Rogers. A little bit later on in the hour, we'll hear from Mark Nicholas. But joining me for all the fun, a reunion of sorts. Good to see Mervyn Gregory Tristan. once again. Good evening, Tristan, Merv. how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, been huge, hasn't it? Uh, first, the selection of the side, and Rod Marsh coming out and saying Bird wasn't in the side because of his batting. Um, I suppose there was question marks over Sean Marsh, who repaid the selectors' faith. Kawaja, Voges and, and Mitch Marsh really in the spotlight now. Um Gee, Australia, after bowling South Africa out for, for 240-odd off the back of Mitch Stark Forfer, you're just thinking what a great position to be in. Mm. None for 158. Um, what a fantastic position to be in. Um, and we lose 10 wickets for 90 on runs, end up two runs in front. And given the fact that South Africa have lost a bowler, they lost Dale Stane at one for about 163 Australia, where I was thinking, mate, we're going to make 600 here. As, but, gee, the, the South African bowlers did really well. And then, um, just unbelievable here, two for 252. Elga, 88. Dumri, 122. He's, he's first ton since um, 2014, I Been think. Been a long time cricket. between drinks, which means oh. the lead is now out to 254 as a drive is blasted through the covers to the rope and Elga works his way into the 90s. Yeah, it's mate, it's phenomenal. It's a um, little bit in it in, uh, in the first couple of days, and the bowlers did really well. So, as I said, Mitch Stark, Forfeit, but Hazelwood, Siddle, Marsh, and Lyon all, all contributed. Um, and then for South Africa to lose Dale Stain and take 10 wickets for, for 90 runs, what a fantastic effort. And they just never out of the game. And, and now Australia um, are clearly behind the game. Even though South Africa are a bowler down, to, to be 250 in front, only two down, there's still two and a half days to go. And just on Dale Stone, it's a really rare shoulder injury. He's fractured a bone in his shoulder. Some people fearing it might be the end of his career, but it looks like he's going to be on the sidelines for a minimum of six months, which is disappointing for everyone 
who loves cricket because he's just a fantastic bowler to watch when in full flight. Uh, he got that first wicket yesterday and, and carried on a bit. I thought, hey, he's up champ. They're 1 for 160 <laughs> or 1 for 158, whatever it was. And um, he, he just started that. Um, got that wicket when nothing was happening and uh, did that shoulder. And it's unfortunate that um, two of the, the all-time greats, not just current greats, um, A.B. de Villiers, of mm-hmm. course, not touring, um, but also Dale Steyn now um, out of for the for the rest of, or the remainder of the, the series. So he won't play again in this series. And I suppose that opens the door for Mornay Morkel to come back in and, and um, you know, probably... St- I make a statement to selectors. You know, why did you let mm. me out of the out of the first test? But he he will be um, pretty tough prospect because I, I don't think he'd enjoy being dropped from the side. No, far from it. And look, you gave credit where it was due. The South African bowlers managed to tear through the Aussie batting lineup, but conditions couldn't have been all that bad. Given Warner had made ninety seven, it was a blistering start. Marsh was patient at the other end, did what he had to, making. His 63, but it un- unravelled quickly. We know the Aussies got frustrated with uh, decisions that they didn't think were right, that LBW uh, that didn't go against Steve Smith. They threw their bat at things. In the end, it was quite immature, and they paid the ultimate price. Well, I think a combination of, of very good bowling, uh, no doubt about that, and the, the ball swinging, uh, the older ball starting to go Irish. So uh, created a few problems. Uh, the um, ball that knocked over... Uh, Usman Khawaja, I think it was, was an absolute. No, it's ripper. a perler. And um, Rabada could be a superstar yeah. in years to come. We can throw around those words lightly, but yeah. he's got the making of a genuine star of uh, of world cricket. Yeah, well, uh, he, he looked every bit uh, comfortable out there. Yes, it was a tough start, but um, he, he just hung in there. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's four ducks. We can talk about that Steve Smith LBW, and there's been a lot of conversation over it. Was it a good decision? Was it a bad decision? Well, the replay showed that it was a good decision. Now, for mine, I get frustrated, and this is purely talking as a bowler, of course, um, I get frustrated by blokes say he's too far out there in the wicket. Well, if the ball's pitched in line and it's running and along the deck and it's going straight, <laughs> doesn't matter how, how far down the wicket you are, if the ball's hitting the stumps, the ball's hitting the stumps. It was a, I'll say it was a brave decision by Alan Dar, but certainly the right decision, as the, the replays have indicated. He's been criticised in the past, Alim Dar, and Hawkeye ended up showing he was correct, albeit controversial because of that fact he was down the pitch. It almost reminds me of that time. Do you remember when Sachin Tendulkar had actually been hit on the helmet because of his yes. height? It was yeah. in Adelaide, I think it was. Yeah, he, he tried to yeah. duck. Ball didn't yeah. quite bounce as uh, he thought it might and was given LBW. Yeah, yeah. well, if the ball's not bouncing over, and, now I suppose India will be watching this and say, this is exactly why we don't have the DRS. But ultimately, he was given out anyway. Um, and the the replays just confirmed that the umpire was right. So is it bad umpiring because he gave it out, or is it great umpiring because he's prepared to say, right, I reckon it's hit in line, I reckon it hit the stumps, I reckon you're out. And and that's what I want to see more of from umpires. Um, and in this day and age now with flatter wickets where the batsmen are getting the upper hand, you've got to give the bowler something. Now, the argument is, of course... Um, benefit of doubt goes to the batsman. There must have been some doubt there. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you give it out? But ultimately, uh, replays proved him right. So good on him for having a go. Plenty of shield cricket around the place. Let's do a bit of a scores wrap before we get to Chris Rogers. Tasmania in a world of strife. I know you want to get to Queensland you. in a world of strife. <laughs> well, um, South Australia, 481. They skittled Tassie for 98 who elected to bat. And they've got the Tasmanians at uh, two for one. 
Two for one in the second. Two for one. Say is picking up where he left off. He's got two for none after taking six wickets in the first innings. It's it's interesting. Um, Of Sayers, he has taken a a lot of wickets. And there was a question mark asked when um, Joe Manny got selected Mm. for Australia. Why not Sayers? Uh, I reckon I've seen Sayers. I reckon he's... It's going to sound a bit stupid. He's going to be—he's too short to play Test cricket because on the better wickets, he's not going to get the bounce. He still swings the ball, and there'll be plenty of out, plenty of people out there that disagree with me. Um, but he's to me is very similar to, uh, um, oh, I suppose, Mickey Lewis or Shane Harwood, yep. and he hasn't got quite their pace, but. Uh, he's he's a little bit slow for his height, and he's not tall enough for his pace. So someone like Peter Siddle, who's up over the top, six foot two, he can get away with it. They'd, they'd be about the same pace, but um, he keeps going. And gee, if he keeps going with this, the, the selectors have got, got to look at him. But Tazzy, yeah, won the toss all out for ninety eight. So you've got to say there's there's not much wrong with that wicket if you win the toss and bat. Say a six for thirty two in the first innings, got two for nothing in the second innings. South Australia made two hundred and forty eight. Lehman, his name's everywhere, isn't mm-hmm. he? Coaching the Australian side and his son Jay, um, 129. Uh, Weatherall, 135. And Stevenson, uh, well, he's a Victorian boy playing for, for Tasmania, 4 for 114. Um, Bird, 2 for 68. So solid again. But, gee, it's, it's going to be a, an uphill battle for Tasmania to get back into that, that game. An uphill battle for the Queenslanders as well. They're 265 oh. runs in arrears after Victoria, thanks to Cam White making a century. Glenn Maxwell amongst the runs as well. 417 all out. Queensland in their second innings, 1 for 15. And New South Wales has the upper hand against Western Australia. Western Australia batting first, making 216. Stephen O'Keefe with a five foot for New South Wales. In reply, New South Wales, nine for 293. Maddinson making 116. And Patterson dismissed for 60. Best of the bowlers, Ashton Agar, five for 105, while Berendorf chimed in with four for 83. Merv, a quick break. On the other side, we'll catch up with a man you know pretty well, Chris Rogers, to join us here on Stumps. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone. You're listening to Stumps. Knocks him over with pace, real pace. You're listening to Stumps. Yeah, nice to have your company. Tristan Fernando with Merv Hughes, South Africa, two for 264. Dumini on 130. Dean Alga on 92. A fair partnership is building here, Merv, and a man who's no stranger to the test arena is about to join us. Yes, he is. I was just about to say it's the second largest South African um, partnership in Australia. It just shows how well they're going, the Aussies, in a world of strife. As we welcome Chris Rogers to Stumps. Chris, grateful for your time. What do you make of proceedings over there? Yeah, hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, trouble building here for Australia. They've just taken the second new ball. And if anything, it's, it's increased the scoring uh, rate at the moment. So... These two batsmen are, are, are pretty set and, and it doesn't look like they're going to make a mistake. So Australia got to do something different or, or just find a way through somehow. Well, that could have been said of the Australian players yesterday. Uh, Warner and Marsh didn't look like making a mistake. Uh, Warner gets out. South Africa lose Dale Stane. Um, I just said at the top of the show, it just looked like, oh, we're going to make about 500, 600. But the effort from the South African bowlers from the point that Dale Stane got injured was fantastic. Yeah, it was, Merva. It was. It's been an amazing test because it was almost all Australia for uh, well, a day and an hour, and then since then it's just been all South Africa. And it was actually almost the the injury to Dale Stane that, that galvanised 
uh, the South African. So I'm not sure how. Sometimes, as you know, Murph, people just just find that ability to step up when when they get that extra responsibility, and, and that seems to what about happened. Now, what was the change? Um, you know, it just seemed to me that. Um, from the Australians' point of view, when Dale Steyn went off, that ball started to go a little bit Irish, and, and the Australians didn't really handle that too well. The, the ball that got Usman Kawaja was a, a fair delivery, but full of length, he's still just trapped on his on, on the crease. Is that a problem for Usman going forward? Uh, maybe. I mean, I mean, it's always going to be more difficult when the, the ball's moving, Um and it did start to swing. You just you just have to get through the, through those little tough periods. It's, I mean, it's hard to judge Uzi on on one inning so far this summer. But um, I guess there's there's been a few questions about how the Australian lineup copes with with a bit of swing. So if they do get it going reverse in the second dig, then there's there's you know there's going to be some um, questions that need to be answered. Well, South Africa, as we see, they're just going hell for leather at the moment. As you said, taking the new ball, the scoring rates increased. Of the bowlers for Australia in the first innings, Stark was outstanding, but it just seemed that when we bowled him out for about 240, just thought, how, how good an effort's that? Um, they, they've done well. Do you think there may have been a, a bit of complacency from the batsmen um, when you get into such a strong position? Uh, it, it's hard to know. It, you know, you, you'd expect that they wouldn't. They probably felt that um, when Dallas Stane went down that, you know, it, it was just going to get easier and easier. I think one of the things they did do is they, they felt all they had to do was defend for an hour after lunch and, and then the change bowlers, you know, the part-time bowlers would come on and, and then they'd take them down. But that kind of got him into a negative mindset and, and South Africa took advantage of that in the end. Former Aussie test opener Chris Rogers joining us around Australia on Stumps. Chris, what do you make about the wicket? I listened with interest to Dave Warner saying it was probably quite batter-friendly late in the piece and uh, it had flattened out nicely, allowing fluent stroke play. Um, Davey Warner just did an amazing piece of fielding. So <laughs> that's, that's around the pause, no, no wicket. But, um, yeah, I, look, uh, I think it's been a brilliant wicket, uh, you know, there's there's been pace and bounce, and, and Murph, you, you remember when you came here? That that's what you want. You're not expecting um, big sideways move. You you just want the ball to carry through, and, and there has been that. Um, it, it just means you have to do both disciplines well. You have to bat well. You have to bowl well, and, and at different stages, different teams have, have have done that. But right at the moment, South Africa are batting amazingly. Uh, just go back to the bowlers because I'm pretty bowler friendly, as you'd imagine. This, um, <laughs> this young Rabada from South Africa, uh, I, I haven't seen much of him before, and must admit, I only saw him bowl a bit. But he, he looks like he's quite capable. Mate, he's, I think he's going to be brilliant. He's he's raw. Um, he, he runs in and pretty much lets them go. And and early on, Davey Warner took him down. You know, he he, he will bowl bad balls, um, and Davey got him, but. Then once he he kind of got into his work and he got the ball reversing, he was he was a handful and, and he bowls quick. Some of his bounces, uh, you know, uh, the boys were pretty happy to get out of the way. So um, yeah, there's a lot to like about him, and, and there's going to be a lot lot of pressure on him now because Stain's obviously gone for the series. Well, with Stain gone, that opens the door for Monet Morkel. Were you surprised uh, that he wasn't in the side, or is is that been coming? Do you think? Um. It, it's hard to know. I, I always, I still think that you you, you need to play a spinner here, just even a holding role or, or whatever. 
um, probably his bounce here would would have been would have been you know very difficult to to um, play. But there's also a you know a rumor that he wasn't quite fit. So um, in the end, the spinners had to do a big job, and he'll do a huge job in the second innings as well. So maybe they actually got the call right. Chris, as we let you go, we do thank you once again for your time. You've released a book. Tell us about it. What can we expect to enjoy? Because having a look at some of the expert uh, excerpts, I should say, you talk about some of your brash days as a youngster, but also the, the ecstasy felt in the test arena as well. Yeah, I um, my story, I wasn't really interested in writing the autobiography, but um, Rick Olerenshaw was my used to be my agent. He, he just insisted that... Uh, it would be a good story. So I ended up writing most of it. And, um, yeah, a lot about my journey and, and I don't try to um, create too much drama. There's there's a few of those books out at the moment, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I just, yeah, wanted, wanted, it was happy to tell my story and, and, and hopefully it's a decent read. Well, you got to you got to be you you got to get them out. You got to be explosive. You got to get those excerpts in the paper. The people think, oh, I want to read this book. Um, and yeah, you, you've just been sensible about it. Um, now well, I'll put you on the spot. How could you best describe bearing in time the time of year? How could you best describe this book in three words? <laughs> uh, can, you could have asked me that beforehand. <laughs> can, can we go with ideal Christmas present? Ah, uh, there you go. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could have given me the heads up earlier, but yeah, no, very good. It's very called good, bucking yeah. the trend. It's going to be uh, magnificent reading available at all good and not so good book retailers. Chris, again, thank you. Enjoy the cricket over there, and let's hope things start looking up for the Aussies. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris Rogers, one of the good guys of cricket. Move. Um, Bucking the trend. What a what a great name for the book because Perfect. he did come in late. He played one Test match and then he had to wait a few more years and came back in. And off the back of his performances, more so in county cricket in England, got a couple of tours to England and was was outstanding at the top of the order for the Aussies. Just a prolific run scorer yeah, in the county arena. Be a book worth reading, I reckon. Absolutely, it would be. Bucking the trend available at all good bookstores in the lead up to Christmas, as Merv said. Ideal Christmas present. <laughs> well, New South Wales was. Uh, in the end, all out for 298, leading by 78 against Western Australia. Western Australia, none for three in their second innings. Queensland's move along to one for 22. Still 258 runs behind the Victorians. Hemphrey on 14. Labushagni yet to get off the mark, while Tassie, it's... Uh, it's Gone from uh, bad to worse. It's a world of hurt, Merv. Three for 13. 370 runs now Ooh. behind Tasmania. And I'm just having a look. No, it wasn't Sayers with the third wicket. It was Worrell. He has uh, one for 12 off his two overs. They've got a a very good attack with Worrell, with Sayers and with Meany, Joe Meany. Um, They're going to do a a fair bit of damage on on wickets that aren't quite right. They certainly will. South Africa 2 for 268. Elga 95. Dumini 131. More stumps on the way after this. And that is huge. That's the biggest one tonight. On the roof. Full pitch and bang. Bang, bang, bang. It's gone. Welcome to Stumps. G'day everyone, a big warm welcome to Stumps all across Australia. Hope your weekend started nicely, at least better than the Aussies are travelling. More on that in a tick. Tristan Fernando, my name, we'll hear from Mark Nicholas in a moment. 
Joining me for all the fun and frivolity is Mervyn Hughes. Hello, Merv. I was going to say, the Aussies weekend started beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> Just went downhill. Now, I believe the, the South Australian listeners are... They were on board now, and it's great to have them on. I've just been over to Mount Gambia. Got back this morning. Great so part of the world. Had a, had a run down to uh, Kingston, um, across the road, and we had a fishing trip on Thursday, and we had um, mechanical problems, which was disappointing. We got out there, and one bloke decided to uh, get very, very seasick. And, of course, people who fish, some people do get seasick. <laughs> Other people don't understand it. Do you know the best cure for seasickness? Give it to me. It's bound to be good. Sitting under a tree. <laughs> Come on, man. That is, that is the best cure. Because if you stay out in the boat, you just feel, as soon as you get back to land, you feel great. But um, out at uh, Narracourt too, and uh, the hospitality of people there were absolutely fantastic. Had a great time. So that pocket of the world, and there's a lot of pockets of the world in Australia that are, are fantastic places. Yeah, fantastic spot is Robe because yeah. you can drive onto the beach from memory. I haven't been yes. there for a little while, and you can just perch yourself there. It's a it's a magnificent. Make sure you got a four wheel drive. You got the the big lobster up the road in Kingston, yes. don't you? Yes, so. uh, Kingston. We had lobster for, for tea last night. It was fantastic. Anyway, I'm sure anyway, people we out digress. There don't want to yes. hear about our travel plans. Yes. South Africa, two for 274 they tick along to as Alga makes his way to 99. Dumini's not out on 132. Australia in a world of strife as South Africa settle. Um, yeah, it's been a topsy-turvy game. Like Australia out of the block, South Africa win the toss. Um, lose two quick wickets. Um, they, they actually fought very hard to, to get to their 240, and Mitch Stark, fantastic for the Australians, and as were all the Australian bowlers. And then um, Australia got off to a, a blistering start through through Davy Warner and Sean Marsh, and then, then lost um, 10 for, for 90 virtually, after being none for 158, believe that, all out 240. Odd, and gee, just the, the change in the game. And now South Africa come out, um, two blokes, well, they've, they've almost put on 200. It's been um, just a fascinating turnaround in, in a game of cricket. Well, Australia now 271 runs in arrears. And just looking at the state of play, they came together at two for 45 after Umla was dismissed for just one. He's had a stinker of a test match, but... Uh, since it's been one-way traffic, conditions look pretty darn good for batting, and it's an it's now Everest for the Aussies to climb. Oh, there's there's no doubt about that. Probably the only real thing that's keeping Australia in the game is that Dale Steyn is out of the game. Um, so South Africa are a bowler down. But when you think of, of South Africa, they lose AB to Village, they come out here. If there was one bloke that was going to make a difference and put South Africa ahead, it was Amla. So with that, South Africans got room for improvement. Amler's probably their best player. As you said, he's had a shocking test match, but the, the South Africans have got their noses in front and they've got, well, they've got half a neck. I reckon they've almost got half a body in front at the moment. Um, and it's going to be hard work for Australia to, at this, this rate and they might be chasing four four fifty, which the South Africans did themselves in Perth they a number did, of yeah. years ago. So, mate, if the Australians are good enough, they can still find a way out of this Test match, and they've got to make the South Africans pay. And when I say that, when you're a bowler down, it makes it very very hard to bowl teams out. But having said that, the South Africans made light work of it after Dale Stain left the ground. 
uh, the other day. As we turn our attention to the Shield Arena, oh. South Australia, 481 in reply to Tasmania's all-out 98. And they've got Tasmania at 4 for 18 at the Adelaide Oval. 4 for 18. Say us how many? Three for now. Three for. Three for two in the second He's innings. He's got nine after, for the game. After six for 32 in the first innings. Yeah. Weatherald and Jake Lehman amongst the runs in uh, South, Ar- South Australia's batting performance. But it's one-way traffic and you can uh, just about think that Tassie would be booking their flights back home tomorrow morning. Oh, that's a big call. Um, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Tassie win the toss in Adelaide. Uh, they get knocked over for, so they bat, they get knocked over for 98, and you'll be thinking there's a little bit in the wicket, boys, let's go out and get it. Um, Weatherall, 135, Lehman, it's great to see Lehman uh, backing up on last year, because it could have been quite easy for him to, to fall away a little bit, but looks like he's uh, got a little bit of his, his old man's blood in him, where he's, he's got uh, just a hunger for runs, and he's, he's going to keep going. So, yeah, Tazzy four for now. My, Sayers just goes from strength to strength. I'm not convinced about Sayers. As I said, I reckon he's probably a yard short, a yard shy for his height, which means yeah, well, t- he's not going to get that bounce. But he keeps getting wickets. He's taken, I reckon he's taken about a hundred, hundred wickets in the last two seasons. Oh, it's been quite prolific. Yeah. I'll get the exact numbers for you, but just. Tell us a little bit more about that. So we put your selectors cap back on, talking about uh, assessing players' prospects of progressing to the test level and performing. What is holding Sayers back over someone like Joe Many? Well, Joe Many's a lot taller. So I don't know how tall Joe is. I reckon he would be about 6'4", where Sayers would struggle to be... You know, he's a, the, the real Collingwood six-footer. Um, so he might... Yeah, many 190 centimetres yep. and... Uh, Chad at 180. So, and a, and a lot of people say it doesn't make any difference, but it does because on on the the dead of wickets, like Mitch Mitch Stark um, is huge because he's so tall. He, he's got the pace and he's got that that extra bounce. Hazelwood's the same. Peter Siddle's up over the top, and probably Peter Siddle's maybe six six two, six three. Um, so you look for guys that are going to get bounce on the wicket because at the top level, even at Shield level, it's not the pace of the ball that worries the guys it's the extra bounce so you need the ability to bounce the ball but gee if he keeps taking wickets um they've got to look at him elsewhere queensland three for 23 in their second innings 257 runs behind the vix cam white amongst the runs with the century glenn maxwell back to form and back in the side with a vengeance and western australia trailing new south wales they're none for five in their second innings new south wales making 298 after Western Australia's 216 all out, and uh, Stephen O'Keefe taking a five for for New South Wales and a six for for Ashton Agar. Well, left arm orthodox bowls, we need those. And it was amazing in in, in Sri Lanka uh, during our winter. Um, people said what happened over there. I tell you what did change dramatically um, was the course of the game when Steve O'Keefe got injured. Mm. Um, he came off, I think. Um, Sri Lanka were four for 60 in their second innings after being bowled out for 117. And then the the um, Sri Lankan batsman um, didn't have that ball spinning away from them, um, the, the, right hand, um, the right-handers. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. A whole complex of, of that test match changed. And um, the, obviously the, the 
tour outcome wasn't great for Australia. But it's interesting how you ran over the Vic scores, 4-17. Cameron White, now we've just been watching the test match. Adam Voges, looks like he's done a little bit of a hamstring stuff. So if you're a selector and you're looking at that, that number five spot, they want a composed, experienced player. Would, would Cameron White fit that bill, do you think? He's coming from a fair way back, he is, isn't but, he, Merv? I just Callum Ferguson's in the mix. I reckon there's a few in the mix, but they like to have that senior player that's composed. Yeah, well, Ferguson, unfortunately, failed. Joe Burns has had two failures oh, at the yeah. G. Cam White's been amongst the runs quite consistently. In my position, Merv, it's impossible to know what the selectors are going to do. If they're selecting a bowler over another bowler because of superior batting prowess... What's happen, What's going to happen with Mitch Marsh, for example? Does he retain his spot in the side? A lot of questions need to be answered. Mm. And if you are picking blokes on form, absolutely Cam White has yeah. to be in the mix. Well, Cam White, 104. As you said, Maxwell, 81. He could be an op- option on, on spinning wickets if he's in good form. Um, but having said that, he missed out in Victoria's last game. Um, it's good to see Marcus Harris, um, West Australia, overplaying for Victoria. Got 100 had a really big game in his first game. Got 100 on debut. I think he followed up with about another 77 um, in the second. He's, he's got 75 in this game. Hanscom continues his good form with 60, and he would have to be just fleeting with the selectors at the moment. And Dan Christian keeps making runs, keeps taking wickets. So he took four for um, last last week in the Shield game, and he's backed it up with 43. So he's showing what a handy player he is at, at first-class level. South Africa now two for 277, Dumini on 136, Elga on 99. As we turn our attention to a man, Merv, who has released a book. Uh, we spoke with Chris Rogers uh, earlier about uh, bucking the trend, which is available now. Mark Nicholas has released his uh, biography recently, talking about his experiences in cricket. He caught up with Tony Leonard and Terry Wallace on Sports Day Radio, and they started by asking him about the inspiration for writing the book. I started it looking over a beautiful Bondi, I've got to tell you that. Um, I think I've been telling myself it for a few years. I, I, um, I think if you're intrinsically lazy, you, you, you try to avoid it. Um, but I felt I had something to say about the game that I love, and I felt that um, there were enough stories to hopefully make it entertaining, and I was suddenly ready to do it one day. I can't really describe why. I had a full start about the first time it was about 20 years ago, and I've got a bad manuscript of half a book hidden away at home, and, and uh, it took another 20 years to truly get it off the off the deck and out into the water. You know, it didn't start that manuscript that's never going to see the light of day. Did it kick off with the famous "It was a dark and stormy night," and then you, and then you, and then you, and then you insert the rest? No, it kicked off as a very, very weak diary of a of a, a cricket season from a from a, a county cricketer's eyes in England. And it, in fact, I must admit, it was a dark and stormy day because most of them are <laughs> in April when you try to play cricket in that country. Uh, and just just a, one about the, just the process of writing. It is a sort of it's a not wouldn't say it's a heavy burden to bear. But why do you think it is that the best books, if I was to take a genre of uh, sport, that cricket books seem better than as, as a generalisation than sort of every other sport? Oh, um, I think there are a few reasons. The first is I think the game lends itself to writers, um, poets. Um, it, it's a, it's a, I do believe it's a beautiful game, and I think that its, extra, it's extraordinary range brings out an opportunity for words, for vocabulary, for explanation, 
um, for lyricism. So I think that's point one. I think, too, that um, a lot of cricket people and certainly cricket journalists have written in other fields. If you look, for example, take Australia's own Gideon Hagen, the extraordinary range of subjects about which he's written and mm-hmm. the things that he's experienced in life. Thirdly, I think that a lot of cricket people have other strands to their life. I don't think they're limited only to cricket. There's a lot of cricket relationships with, with music, um, with theatre, um, and, and, and I think that gives a broad mind that allows somebody to be able to write broadly so that it's not exclusively you know, ABC, almost robotically, about cricket. And I think when you add all those things together, plus I do think that, that the people that come out of cricket have a very wide variety of you know, colour. The, 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 the I mean, if you took just purely hypothetically from sure. Victoria, if you took Bill Laurie, Merv Hughes, Shane Warne and Dean Jones, you've got four very different, very colourful people and, and they're pretty easy to write about. Um, so exceptional are they in their very different ways. Mark, talking about colourful people, I uh, grew up in the late 80s and early 90s uh, working out of GDV9 of Bendigo Street, Richmond, and uh, uh, it was legendary when Kerry Packer was in town that we all scurried and uh, hit, yeah. away, hit away as quickly as what we possibly can. I presume from reading uh, parts of the book, you got a lot closer to him than what we ever did. So <laughs> he, I'm pleased to hear he hit. Rich Richmond as well, to be honest. Um, he he um, it, it, it was a phone call. The story I tell is a phone call. He made my second year with nine, um, 2045, and he made a phone call to the commentary box during a one-day international between Australia and Pakistan, I think. And, and um, he just kind of gave it to me like you can't believe. And the story's in the book, and it is, I think people think, think it's pretty entertaining. And... Um, um, you know, I, it was a bit of a shock at the time. In fact, I was convinced I was going to be fired, and that was the end of the of the Australian dream. Um, in fact, that wasn't the case. When I came off this phone call, quivering and pale and unable to speak, Greggy said, "Don't worry about that, mate. It's just everybody has the the Kerry mark." <laughs> Um, there's, no, there's no problem here. Uh, and I said, "Well, there's a problem as far as I can." No, mate, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We've all had it. And I think. I, I then, after that, me and Mark Taylor and Ian Healy were called to his offices, and that was when we actually met him, or I actually met him for the only time. And we had an amazing three hours where, having sort of laid into us a bit and told us how he saw commentary, he then branched out and he talked a lot. He was very interesting about commercial television. He was very interesting about, if you like, the art of, of communicating sport to an audience. And then he moved on to the great players. He had Jack Nicklaus's driver and Gary Sobers's bat, and he stood up and he demonstrated their techniques and he asked our opinions on the way the game was going to look in the future and his message was was you know take care of the game he obviously saw us as the future on the network and and he and he he said you got to take care of the game because no one else will take care of it if it isn't you guys it won't be anybody else he was i wrote at one stage in the book you know i wonder if if cricket would be here today as we know it were it not for Kerry. i i think he's not even arguably, I think he's the most important influence on cricket in the modern era of the game. We're speaking with Mark Nicholas, author of A Beautiful Game, My Love Affair with Cricket. Um, just just on that, Mark, I think your career starts late 70s at, ha- at Hampshire, something like that. Am I in the ballpark there? Yeah, I uh, I got into the side probably in 1980, but I played in 79. Yeah. It, just on that, we sort of couldn't 
sort of grasp until it actually happened, that sort of World Series of Cricket, uh, the Packers Circus in 77. But as a young professional in England, how did you view what was happening this side of the world? Um, we were very excited about it. It was the same sort of thing as we'd experienced with rock and roll. Um, and to a degree with art, though, I didn't, you know, as a kid, you really knew about rock and roll more than about art, rebellion. Um, it was a changing era in the world, and we all wanted to have a say about the way the world was going to go. And if you were a, a teenager back then, it was a very exciting time. I, I was so excited. I, I'd always, um, you know, all my backyard test matches really featured. If Sobers wasn't in them for West Indies, it was basically England against Australia, and my heroes were guys like Ted Dexter and John Snow taking on Ian yes. Chappell and Doris Lilly, you know, and they were the they were the key figures for me, boycott facing Lilly and, and Chappell facing Snow. And, and, and I, had a, I had a very sort of cinematic vision of Australia, so I wanted to come here. So the minute I left school, I came here. I got on a plane, sat in the back row of economy. I'll never forget the flight. Uh, next to a bloke who smoked about 130 cigarettes in 24 hours. And, and, and he had those little ashtrays in the seats. I don't know if you remember, but he, they yes. kept having it. Every hour they emptied the ashtray. And it was a fascinating time, really. I got here, and it was the second year of World Series cricket. And, and uh, I just watched every ball. I mean, if I could get to games live, I did. But in, it was all televised so brilliantly. We'd never seen television coverage like it. We'd never seen cricket quite so dramatic, certainly not so dramatically televised we saw amazing cricketers all on the same field wearing different wearing different shirts and and the game was just it was so seductive i couldn't get enough of it and I, when i say i watched every ball I, I sort of mean that i didn't go to the movies i didn't go out for fish and chips i didn't go out for a beer i watched world series cricket the ashes was also on but it was an australian second 11 it's a mike really england team and i just watched cricket 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 and that was and you know so my Initial impressions of World Series cricket were, were fantastic. This is a brave new world. And then my, my real impressions when I came here were even better. And, of course, the music, you know, come on, Aussie, come on. You've been training all the winter and not a team that's fitter. That's the way it's got to be. You're up against the best, you know. This is super test, you know. You've got to beat the best the world has seen. I mean, I can do every word of the whole song. And, and that caught on. And, and the publicity for it was very good. It's where this PBL spent money on marketing. And people got it. I mean, everybody says the first year wasn't a great success, but it was very hard for the first year to be a success. The point was, in the second year, it caught on and began to change the game. A great chat and fascinating insight from Mark Nicholas, a very interesting fellow, catching up with Tony Leonard and Terry Wallace on their Sports Day show. And he has his book, A Beautiful, a Beautiful Game, available at all good book retailers. As we update some scores, South Africa, two for 282. Elga has now brought up his ton, and the Aussies really struggling to make any headway here. These batsmen are settled, and they're going great guns in the Sheffield Shield games underway. Tasmania, 4 for 26, trailing by 357 runs. Queensland, 4 for 36, trailing by 244 against the Vicks. And Western Australia, none for 14 against New South Wales in Sydney. A quick break here on Stumps. We'll come back and find a winner with Joel Kane from sportsbet.com.au. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps. Knocks him over with pace! Real pace! You're listening to Stumps. 
nice to have you with us, Tristan Fernando with Merv Hughes here on Stumps. And it's time now to find a winner with sportsbet.com.au and Sportsbet's racing form packed with all new features for spring. Do gamble responsibly. A good friend of the program is Joel Kane, who joins us once again. Joel, nice to talk to you. We won't uh, turn our attention to the Aussies and Sri Lanka. It's one-way traffic there. South but Africa. A, uh, South Africa. But a heap <laughs> of uh, good cricketing action to look forward to. How you going, Jens? Yeah, no, looking forward to it. Um, I suppose that the big one we're looking forward to is on Wednesday. But India taking on England, and as I say, because the test is running at the moment, we can't really go there. One, three bets is for all your live betting. But um, how do you see that one going, boys? India versus England. How do you see the match going on Wednesday? How do you see the series going overall? You, you would think in India, India would do it. But England have shown a lot of resolve, haven't they? Um, what, what, what's the market saying? Yeah, so Merv, you've got uh, India $1.45. This is for the first test. Yep. The draw four forty. England $6.60. Oh. Uh, yeah, but uh, for India to win 5-zip, you're getting $4.50. For the top run scorers, uh, Virat Kohli's in the mix. He's four thirty-three. Uh, Joe Root, 7 bucks, And Alastair Cook at $8. That's an interesting one. Also, international cricket, Zimbabwe playing Sri Lanka? Yeah, absolutely. That's tomorrow. So Zimbabwe, $11. The draw, $5. Sri Lanka... A dollar twenty-eight, and I know your listeners are just gunning down for this one here, boys. There's a cliffhanger of a one day tomorrow. Hong Kong, a dollar thirty-two. <laughs> Papua New Guinea, three dollars forty-two. Now I've been looking at these uh, one days going on on the Crick Info website. Are there blokes out there that feeding them have a flutter on these games? Absolutely, and then they have a crack. These blokes, so um, no, it should be a beauty. But how, how did you fare over the spring carnival? You do all right? Not terrible. Somewhat of a rarity, probably. Uh, had my nose in front after a dodgy Oaks Day. I think it was uh, that story for many. But it, it was a fantastic carnival if you you looked for value. And I, I think a lot of those horses that uh, represented value were gettable, if you know what I mean. They were gettable, but uh, they weren't gotten, if you know what I mean, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> well, oh, is, hell. is that a good ro- result for you today, Awesome Rock, or, or not? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it would have been, yeah. I, 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 I don't know for sure, Merv, but... Um, the punters had absolutely been killing us all uh, spring. Like Jamaica was an absolute carve-up. Yeah. Winks had the, had the traders in yes. the fetal position. You know, there was plenty of um, Panadol required for a number of other runners as well. But uh, today was probably not a bad day with Awesome Rock. I think uh, Derby Day was okay. Oh, sorry, the Oaks Day with that big ruffie uh, saluting. We had one punter, by the way, who had about 300 bucks on, on that ruffie. So good on them oh. at about 200 to 1. Mate, don't you just wish it was you? Now, I know we can't talk about the test as such. Mm. Can we talk about the South African-Australian series result? Well, it, it's a bit hard because in live. All I can yep. say to the punters is to check out the, uh, the Sportsbet website or the Sportsbet app, yep. and that'll tell you all you need to know. Okay. On the spot very quickly, Sydney FC, Melbourne victory. Do you know that market, Joel? Well, I know that Sydney FC are flying, and what I'm actually doing right now is I'm doing what they call padding. I'm going to the sports bet app, which is very, very quick. You go to the You need to be quick. You've got 15 seconds. 15 seconds. I'm on the case. Sydney FC, $1.85. The draw, three eighty. Melbourne victory, $4. Good oh, on you, Joel. Great to catch up. Joel Kane from sportsbet.com.au, showing just how fast you can act on the app. Oh. And this is Stumps all across Australia. Under pressure, too. Welcome to Stumps. 
Yeah, big warm welcome to Stumps. To those of you joining us for the first time, Tristan Fernanda with you, a reunion of sorts. Swerve and Mervyn Hughes is with me, the Aussies in a world of strife. There's shield action underway and we'll have it covered over the next little while here on Stumps. Nice to see you, Merv. Tristan, how are you? Um, well, I'm a bit huge. flat, Merv, having seen a blistering start to the Aussie innings and... Just having witnessed well, everything just turned on its head as a result of poor batting, some good bowling, granted, but the Aussies shouldn't find themselves in this hole. Got to give credit where credit's due. The South Africans, um, under the pump, Australia won for 163. Dale Stain gets injured. They take the next nine wickets for about 60 runs. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal effort from the, the South Africans. And it, it was what was holding Australia back in Sri Lanka too. You get off to a good start and then you just lose wickets. So obviously that number um, three, four, five and even six spot um, obviously comes under scrutiny. Now, we know what a fantastic player Steve Smith is. Um, he, he needs to get some runs um, just does. for his own sake. Um, probably going into this test match, question marks over Sean Marsh. Okay, he's repaid the faith. Um, Kawaja um, still struggled a bit, didn't he? Uh, right back on his crease, got knocked over. Um, Mitch Marsh and Adam Voges. And listen, Adam Voges looks like he's done a bit of a hamstring, so there's going to be concern over whether he plays the next test match or not. And if he doesn't play, do you go to Joe Burns and drop Marsh down, or do you go for uh, someone like a Callum Ferguson who's missed out? And Joe Burns has missed out in... In the, his last four four innings, virtually, hasn't he? And oh, no, he got 100 in the, in the first He's first missed game, out yeah. twice against the Vicks, yes. and we'll update you on the score there. Queensland, yeah. four for 50. 230 runs in arrears. Victoria all out earlier today for 417. That's at Stumps on day two. Cam White amongst the runs again to continue his good start to the domestic season. He was not at 104. Harris amongst the runs with 75. Hanscom, 60. And Glenn Maxwell back into the side, made 81 before being dismissed. What did you make of the Maxwell omission prior to the first game? It was an interesting one, wasn't it? Um, Peter Siddle goes out of the side. He comes in. You've still got got, um, Christian, Dan Christian there. Um, Tremaine's bowling well. Gee, I I suppose... I, I couldn't... Yeah, you can't figure out. It's team balance. And you you got to respect that. The Victorians won, so the selectors have made the right decision. Um, Maxwell, there was some talk that, well, there was talk that he wanted to head up to New South Wales during the off-season, and there was some murmurs that that might have been the selectors saying, listen, pull your head in, but I don't think that's the case. I think it was just horses for courses. If it had been a dry wicket, um, because it was a pretty fast bowling Bowlers dominated wicket. If it had been a drier wicket, I think Maxwell would have played in front of Dan Christian. But because it was a, a seeming wicket, they went for, for Maxwell. So I don't think there was any conspiracy theory in it at all. I think it was just horses for courses. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. The Kookaburra Sport talkback line. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. to ask Merv Hughes a question. I was uh, interested to read the thoughts of Mark Waugh, who got on the front foot, said selectors should have a right to dictate terms to uh, state sides, if you like. Uh, from your recollections of being a selector, Merv, how much say did you have in the happenings in the domestic arena? None at all. Um, basically, the, the states have their own agenda. Um, obviously, as, a, as an Australian selector, you want everyone working towards the same thing, but... Um, 
you know, New South Wales give their players every opportunity. You have a look at Stark, Hazelwood, um, Bollinger, you know, as far back as Michael Clark, Mark Taylor, Steve Wall, Mark Wall, they pick blokes young and give them every opportunity. I had this, this, this discussion with Kerry O'Keefe one time, mm-hmm. and he just said, listen, of the two, two sides, there should be, um, New South Wales should dominate um, the Australian side, the percentage of players in the Australian side because of population. They're the biggest, highly populated state. Therefore, they, they've got more people. Therefore, they should have more in the Australian side. Victoria, the second most populated state, we don't have a huge representation. Now, Victoria's mantra is we win titles, and they're both very good at what they do, New South Wales and Victoria. Victoria have won a hell of a lot of titles, but at the end of the day, for the greater good of the Australian team, who's, who's doing more service? one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. if you'd like to have your say, the Kookaburra Sport talkback line. And what happens with the Aussie side? Does Mitch Marsh survive? Who replaces Voges if he does sit out the second test and beyond? As we cast our eyes to some other Shield uh, scores, Merv, South Australia in pole position. They're in the box seat there at uh, 481 in their first innings. Tasmania skittle for 98. And they've got Tassie at four for 29 in their second dig. Well, Sayers... they're rebuilding. They were four for 13 a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's a heck of a rebuild, uh, Murph. Sayers has nine wickets for the match, oh. three for five in the second oh, innings. Yeah. Worrell, one for 20 in the second innings for South Australia. And uh, WA taking on New South Wales. Stumps on day two. Western Australia trading by 68 runs. They're none for 14 in their second innings. New South Wales, 298 in reply to Western Australia's 216. Uh, Maddinson amongst the runs, making 116. Agar taking six for 110. Four for 83 for Berendorf. And uh, as far as the New South Welshmen go, O'Keefe took five for 65. And Somerville, four for 61. Merv? Um, Maddinson, 100. That's, that's great to see him go, but... Pat Patterson also got sixty. Keep your eye on this bloke. He he looks to be the goods. Um, he's scoring runs um, consistently. So you know, along with so yeah, of the Victorians, Cameron White. Um, do the Australian selectors go back to him? Hanscom's been putting his putting his hand up. If you're looking for a bowling option in that top six, um, and the wicket's a little bit dry, do you bring Maxwell in for for Marsh and give Marsh a little bit of a shake up because. While he's shown glimpses, he really hasn't hasn't delivered with the bat. But uh, bowled well, took a, a stunning catch. But um, as my good friend Darren Berry often says to me, um, if you're in the top six, you've got to be making runs. Um, and I've been sort of standing up for for um, Mitch Marsh and just saying the extra bowling's needed. But when you have a situation like this, um, it really shows that that, that five, six uh, spot is really important to, to get runs. And Curtis Patterson, the player you touched on a few moments oh. ago, 111 against Queensland in Brisbane last yep. week. So he started his uh, Australian summer of cricket very nicely indeed. We'll take a call. Greg in West Meadows, Melbourne, has given us a ring today, Greg. Good evening, Jesse. Just a quick one. I know it's... A big issue with the big bash having its uh, its time in the in the sun in the uh, school holidays, but the scheduling is um, really tough on the on the players. Like none of the test players could get, got a first class game in before the actual test match. And if, earlier, uh, many years ago, when you were playing Merv, you would have got two or three games before the first test. So I think it's really tough on the players who are actually in there to actually get any form in proper cricket, rather than playing in the Matador Cup and then. Maybe getting a one or two hits in the district games. What are you, uh, your opinions on that? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? All the players like the grouping of of the of the code. So the one day game, they get that out of the road early. Then they have a block of five 
um, shield matches, then they go into the big bash, then they have a block of five shield matches. Now, that's all good for big bash being in prime time, but as you've pointed out, it's no good for the Australian cricket players. They've come back from a one-day series in, in South Africa, most of the guys in this side. They've had one game to prepare themselves, and it was a night game with a pink ball to prepare themselves for a, a day test match with the Red Bull. Um, so a, a lot of the players there say that you just got to move with the times, but ultimately we've got to give our players the best opportunity. And I don't think we're giving our players the best opportunity to be uh, the best they can be in the certain games. Now, the guys come out of the Matador Cup. Um, if, you, if you're Cameron White, if you're Cullen Ferguson, if you're Hanscom, if you're Maxwell, trying to, to push your way into that test side... The selectors aren't really going to go on one-day form to uh, to pick a, a test side. So you're right, we've got to have a look at the scheduling. But having said that, I don't think there's much that can be done about it because of that liking for the Big Bash in the middle of the season. Now, when, when we go through the Big Bash, um, basically guys playing 20-20 cricket who are trying to get into the one-day side. Um, and people say it's the same sort of game, but gee, there's a, a lot of differences between 20 overs and 50 overs. So again, the guys fighting to get into the Australian one-day side, um, you don't really get picked on that 2020 form. So good ob- observation. Greg, thanks for your call on the Kookaburra Sport Talkback line. one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. 2355 48 He's all Africa. over it, isn't he, Greg? Absolutely on top of it. Good to have passionate listeners out there who are prepared to offer their thoughts or ask intelligent questions, Murph, because... But but he's he's right. Look, we've just come off a a, um, series. Now, Mitch Stark played... uh, A few of the boys did play those shield match. So Mm -hmm. it's a day-night shield match. Yep. Uh, They're playing with the pink ball. Mitch Stark played, bowled in the first innings, bowled 19 overs, and then Cricket Australia pulled him out. Now, you just think, like, start of the season, hasn't played a lot of cricket. He's going to pull up stiff and sore. You want to see how he goes in the second innings of that game. And Ian Chappell said the same on Channel 9 this morning. He, he thought it was just ridiculous that, that that situation could happen. But it's amazing now. Yes, the, the players are um, Cricket Australia's biggest assets and they've got to look after them. But you've got to also um, understand that gee, they've got a bowl. The bowls have got a bowl. Been an issue for a long while, Merv, this yeah. jam pack scheduling. Yeah, and, and that's what it is. Like, we used to go to England and play three or four counties before we played a test match. Now they go over there, play a couple of games that really aren't worth playing, and then go into a test match when they haven't been playing for, for three months. So we've just got to get better at organising our schedule, I think. Well, this is a question, Merv. You speak with someone like Rodney Hogg, and he's a, a vocal critic of those people who underestimate or underrate the significance of a a one-day series like that the Aussies played recently in South Africa. How much of a a weight should we place on those sort of fixtures, Merv? Because in the end, we went over there, we were embarrassed as a result of taking second-string bowling line-up. The batsmen were poor. Um, What's the solution to this situation? Well, I can understand one-day games like that leading up to a World Cup where where teams are... And Australia would be trying to organise their best one-day... Um, side, and all, all of a sudden you, you go over there, and it's a meaningless five-game series. It's out of season. Um, we should be home and just say, right, um, let's let's get this one-day 
Matador Cup out of the road and let's schedule three te- three Shield matches before the first Test match to see if Cullen Ferguson's mm-hmm. in form, to see if Hanscom's in form, to see, you know, to have a look at the alternatives, to get Joe Burns, to give him an opportunity to come back from Sri Lanka after a poor tour. Kawaja, give him the opportunity to see how they go head-to-head. Put that pressure on them. Have, a, have an Australian 11 side versus... The, the South Africans. And they did that, I reckon, against Pakistan a few years ago. And there was Kawaja Smith, there was a few young blokes um, pressing for one spot. And they said it was unfair to put that much pressure on the players. And you look at it and say, mate, there's a fair bit of pressure in Test cricket. If they can't handle that pressure, they're not going to handle it at, at Test level. Decision review underway. Big shout by the Aussies behind the stumps. Looks to have uh, missed the edge, however. Yeah, there's no there's no hot spot there, and they said that's rather conclusive. But if there's a noise, which there is, um, this could be interesting. I think my understanding is for an umpire to overturn a decision, um, it's it's got to have two two folds, and that's only got the one. So the Snicko clearly suggests that there is an edge because it can be yeah. nothing else. Alim Dar initially saying that it was not out. He raises his finger and the Aussies have their third wicket. Well, when there's no hot spot, and we, we did this years ago when we were playing, because um, we, we, if you're driving down a highway, you're doing 100, a car's going 100 the other way, you get that whoosh in between mm-hmm. the cars. Now, when you've got a ball going at... 140 k's and a bat swinging at about the same pace, they reckon there's an air pocket that makes a, a bit of a flicking noise. So there's always going to be a noise there, but maybe there's no connection. And, and that didn't look like there was any connection there to me. Not at all. A fine innings comes to an end. Dumini dismissed for 141 at T South Africa. Three for 295 as he's clapped off by his teammate Dean Alga, who also made 100. The Aussies finally have their breakthrough but they do have a mountain to climb. A heat more to come on stumps very soon. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps. Knocks him over with pace! Real pace! You're listening to Stumps. And great to have you with us, Tristan <laughs> Fernando with Merv Hughes. And great to turn your microphone on, Tristan. Yeah, it's funny that they weren't hearing much with the <laughs> microphone off. Anyway, it is nice to be reunited with you, Merv. If you have just joined us, South Africa, three for 295 at T. Dumini dismissed moments ago for 141. Elga having made a ton as well. And a nice way for him to bounce back after a first innings disappointment. And you've got to say, if um, we're going to whinge about uh, Steve Smith's dismissal, I think uh, have a look at the replay of Dumini's dismissal and tell me what you think. No hot spot. Uh, there was a noise. Um, but, yeah, it, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? It certainly was. Mm. No hot spot. Uh, Snicko uh, showed that there was a nick. And the Aussie appeal from behind the stumps was duly rewarded as we turn our attention to an SA of a different kind. Oh. South Australia just firing on all cylinders. Pretty, pretty similar result. Pretty similar score. And the Tassies really. will be packing, Tasmanians will be packing their bags heading back across uh, Bass Strait very soon. Richard Earle from The Advertiser is a good friend of the program, always generous with his time. He joins us now. And Richard, thank you for your time. It's been the Chad Sayers show. Oh, you know, Chad Sayers, uh, you know, 15 wickets uh, inside uh, two games, uh, basically unplayable uh, here. Nothing to do with the pitch. He's just um, uh, in cutters, out swings. I can't pick him. Uh, Jordan Silk, you know, shouldered arms and was done by an in-cutter. He thought was going to be an outswinger. So, 
his his impact is is, is very timely. And, uh, he, he can't do much more to uh, push for a, for a, for a test call up this summer. Well, Joe Joe Meany, two two for sixteen, um, probably yeah. didn't get the wickets, but he looked like he bowled nice and tight too. And with Worrell there, you, South Australians yeah. have got a fantastic attack. No, it's a great attack. I mean, wh- any one of these blows could play for Australia um, this summer. The key thing with them is they all perform different um, different aspects. I mean, you've got Sayers who, who swings it both ways and never always asking questions of the batsman. Um, Joe Manny is just great because he, he is just pressure, pressure, pressure. And, and the thing about him is his pace never never dips. So in his third spell, he'll still be bowling, you know, that, that 135 to 140 um, as he was bowling with his first ball, which is going to be pretty crucial, I think, with, it, with his... Um, with the way I guess maybe Siddle and, and Stark are shaping up in this in this current test, and you've got someone like Daniel Worrell who who bowls one forty now. He's been a rapid improver, really really good. Um, more, more suited to first class cricket, not so much the one day stuff as we saw in uh, South Africa. But um, he's another great prospect that uh, Victoria let go as well. Well, just to recap for our listeners, Tasmania won the toss, all out for ninety eight. As you said, nothing to do with the pitch. Some outstanding bowling. South Australia yep. then went on to make four hundred and eighty one. Uh, Weatherald and, and Lehman amongst the runs. Um, it's yeah. good to see Jake Lehman backing up after after last year. Um, he could have been satisfied with what he's done last year, but uh, he must have hit him all right with Weatherald again today. He's really excited, man. He was absolutely crunching him uh, today. He's now got five first class tons uh, inside eighteen matches. In, inside eighteen matches, which isn't which isn't a bad strike rate. He got two hundred against these blokes. Um, Last November, uh, he got a century for Yorkshire uh, in, the, in, the, in the northern uh, summer. He's come out here firing again and uh, really impressive. Um, and, of course, Weatherald, uh, Jake Weatherald, he's an opener. He got he got two really good um, uh, half centuries in that short final loss to Victoria last last year, last summer. And he's come out and got a ton here. He's made a ton. And six six games into his career, he looks um, like a real one to watch as well. And Tazzy, in their second, that didn't get any better for him. Four for... Well, about, oh, yeah. yeah, four for about 30. And again, Sayers, three for. Um, yeah. But before we talk about that and, and the demise there, of, of the Tasmanian bowlers, what did you make of uh, Stevenson? He got four for 114. He's from Victoria. I know he's a, he's a bit of a trier and he'll have a go. Um, how many overs yep. did he bowl for those figures? Uh, let me hand? see, mate. So, he's, yeah, 26 overs. So, yeah, so we, a bit expensive. Yeah. yeah, economy rate, you know, 4.38. So he's probably the, he was the most expensive out of their bowlers. But at the same time, he got he got uh, come on first change and got four wickets. So um, that was um, that was uh, serviceable. I guess with I guess the main interest was in um, Jackson Bird. Uh, he was obviously disappointed not to be in that first uh, test side, but uh, he he didn't he had no answers for um, for whether or not in our Lehman. So he probably needed to do a bit more to maybe convince the selectors on, on this occasion. Uh, you're right there. And I'll tell you what, if a Lehman gets going, I'm, I'm tipping most bowling figures are going to get uh, a little bit hurt because uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he does hit the ball well like his dad. Now, second dig, gee, you go out there, you, you've got a mountain to climb. You'd be yes. thinking, let's just get through to stumps without loss. Um, yeah. And gee, two, two for virtually nothing, three for 13, four for 30 four for odd. Um, gee, backs to the wall now for the Tasmanians. Yeah, if, if, if they can last for lunchtime tomorrow, they'll be they'll be doing well, and that'll leave SA with two wins on on the trot and top of the top of the ladder. But yeah, as I was saying before, yeah, this Jordan Jordan still had no no answers. Webster tried to bit of an expansive shot outside off stump, and he was he was swallowed up. And uh, Dawn just had no answers for uh, for uh, Warrell actually, and uh, so it's now left to you know George Bailey and 
Don Michael to try and clean up the mess, but uh, it's a big mess when you're 330 runs oh, behind. That's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a huge mountain to climb, isn't it? Now, George Bailey, um, he, he's likely to come out and make 200. He's a fantastic player, and you know he's going to give his all. Um, how, obviously, he didn't make too many runs in the, in the second dig, but how did he look? Did he look comfortable um, out there, or, or was it um, pretty uncomfortable uh, time for him batting tonight? Uh, look, he's actually looked um, all right tonight. He's, he's looked the most solid of any of them. He was... Um, See what Daniel Worrell just took about three balls to walk him out to work him out yesterday. Um, he played a miss three times, and the, and, the, and the third time he got him, but uh, he's looked a lot more settled today. The best, easily the best of the Tasmanian batsmen, and, he, and he's still going now. So uh, he's he's basically their only hope now. Richard, finally, Callum Ferguson. Great to see him back playing yep. so very well. His Matador Cup campaign, great, yep. highlighted by that 154. He made a, a century yep. against Western Australia. Tell us what his presence means for South Australian cricket and uh, how far away you think he might be from a potential call-up. Um, well, I mean, I thought he was a chance for that first test. I guess they're just um, wanting a few more uh, clutch, clutch innings. I thought if, if he just if he just managed to get a big one here, he could have been a real chance um, of maybe taking Kawaja's spot or you know someone's spot uh, in the in the um, in the third test. Uh, but his presence is massive. Like um, they really missed him in that Shield final last year with the, after he did, did the knee, and no. he was in great form. Man, he'd already he was averaging sixty or seventy then, and he's and he's um, back in it now. So he just he, he got a good one. You can't do much about that um, yesterday, but. Uh, he he is really in amongst it, and uh, he thinks he's probably at, at, at the peak of his powers. And, and don't forget, this bloke came back eight months into a into a from a knee recovery, his second knee recovery. So that's how desperate he was to get back, and and he, he's just so hungry because he knows it's, it's probably, probably now or never. You know, at about thirty one. Well, in the Australian side, in the Australian one day side, and and doing really well a couple of years ago, did his knee in South yeah. Africa just. Firstly, yep. stumbled and, and sort of tripped over his own feet. And then last year, um, before the Big Bash, and his, his presence yeah. at the Big Bash um, is usually um, very, very good. But uh, unfortunately, the Renegades missed out on him and he missed the rest of the season. Just seems to be when he's just about right, when he's just about yep. there, he, he's just having the mis- misfortune of, of the injury. So hopefully he can stay fit for the, the next couple of years and work his way into that Australian side. Yeah, he'd have to be one of the unluckiest blokes going around. I mean, it's either it's either it's either an injury when he's at the peak of his powers, or he just he just misses out on that big ton that might push him over the line for test selection. But he's he's there or thereabouts, and um, he's and he and he, he's also unpacked his technique about three three years ago, and it's now really really solid. So if he was to make the next step, he'd be he'd do really well. Um, you just saw you know he averages forty over thirty one days for Australia, so he so he can't play. So it's just a, I think it's just a matter of um, opportunity for him. Yeah. Richard, as I said at the outset, we are very appreciative of your time after a long day at Adelaide Oval. We wish you well and look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, boys. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. Cheers, Richard, Richard Earle from The Advertise. You can check out all his good work online as South Australia are in a commanding position oh. against Tasmania. Repeating the scoreline, if you have just tuned in over at the Wacker. South Africa, 3 for 295 at T, an overall lead of 293. Dumini was dismissed for 141. Elga not out on uh, 112. The Vicks in a good position against Queensland. They lead by 230 and have Queensland at 4 for 50 in their second innings. And Western Australia, none for 14, trailing New South Wales by 68. We bid farewell to our South Australian listeners. Vic uh, listeners, stick around. Kim Hughes on the way as we keep our night rolling here on Stumps. And that is huge. That's the biggest one tonight on the roof.
Cool pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! Welcome to Stumps. Great to have you with us on Stumps. Hope you've had a fantastic Saturday. If you've been out playing cricket, we hope you went well. If you've been at the races, we hope you're back to win it. Tristan Fernanda with you. Joined once again by Mervyn Gregory Hughes. And Merv, we know it's not been a great time of it for the Aussies out west. They probably only have themselves to blame as well as some very good South African bowling and a fine display of batting from Alga and Dumini. But uh, it would seem that uh, it's too big a mountain for the Aussies to climb from here. Um, yes, no, I mean, I, I, I just see this as a test and that's what it is, test cricket. Um, it's a test of character, it's a test of patience, it's a test of skill. Now, I believe the Australian side's a good side. Um, at none for 150, all out 240, um, you get off to a good start and you squander that. And we've been doing that a lot recently. Um, so Dale Stain not playing, um, yes, South Africa got their, their head a long way in front at the moment, but, gee, you'd, I'd like to... 400's been chased at the Wacker before. It has been. So the way the South Africans are going, we, we might be chasing 500. Well, we can only so, hope, Merv. Mate, keep your fingers uh, crossed. Like, I, I'm not writing them off yet. You're a glass half full man. Our next guest is always good for a chat. He's former Aussie skipper Kim Hughes. And Kim, what do you make of proceedings as we welcome you to start? Are we a chance, Kim? Well, we are. If there's one place in the world where you can chase 400 or more in the last innings, it is in Perth because it doesn't break up. Um, the outfield is very, very uh, quick. Um, we've, we've got a hot day here. And I mean, South Africa did that. They got 400 against us. And as you rightly point out, move. I mean, Dale Stain, he, he can't bowl. You know, he's not available. He's injured, obviously. So they've only got two quicks. They've got um, Rambada, who is very, very impressive. Uh, and the other fellow... Philander. And then the, the fellow, I thought, I, one I thought he shouldn't have got a game was the left-arm orthodox spinner. Because I thought, how on earth do you leave Morkel out? If there's one wicket in the world where you play Morkel who's six foot seven or eight, it's in Perth. Now, unless he was injured, but I just uh, couldn't understand that with Maharaja or, you know, but he yeah. bowled exceptionally well, the young boy. Very, very well indeed. Now, a lot of, um, oh, sorry, yeah. I'm just going to say a lot of controversy over the, the Steve Smith. Uh, the yeah. Smith. So, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, mate, you'd be stiff, you'd be spewing. I, I mean, the, the old. Uh, adage is, you know, the benefit of the doubt, the benefit of the doubt has got to go to the batsman. Now, mate, it was just clipping. I mean, only just a fairies, whatever it is, you know. So therefore, there had to be some doubt about that. So he was a long way down the wicket, but you know, when things aren't going your way, <laughs> you know, move, well, you know, the, the bounce doesn't go your way or whatever it is, and, and he's going wrong. through one of those periods at the moment. So, uh, no, you, you know, an umpire shouldn't be giving those out because there has certainly got to be some doubt. Well, the, the thing about that, you would imagine if that had been given not out, the, the South Africans wouldn't have reviewed <laughs> that, would they? No, no, no. no that's no, an indication no, no. that they, they got a bit lucky. Now, um, just, just uh, rewind to the, the first day. South Africa win the toss. Australia, it's got to be said, had a pretty good day off the back of Mitch Stark, but the rest of the guys bowled well too. Um, they so they did was, at- Yep, they did as a group. Siddle, you know, what you see is what you get from Siddle. You, you know, he's steady, he's consistent, he can tie and end up. Um, you know, and we got off to a, a great start with Mitchell Stark. With, with Mitchell Marsh took a blinder in the gully. You know, it was an unbelievable catch. And, and that just seemed to get us on, on, a, on a roll. But I really did think that Quinton de Kock, 
I thought he batted beautifully. He really is a talent, the young boy. Uh, makes it look nice and easy. And like most left-handers or left-footers, they just seem to have a grace about them that right-handed or right-footed people don't have. But he, he is an exceptionally gifted player. Um, so they managed to get to 240, but none for 100. Well, we lost basically 10 for 80, and that's ridiculous. And, and, and the, you know, the, the bowling by the South Africans was steady. And what they didn't do, Merv, which I haven't seen much at the Wacker, was get some reverse swing, which traditionally in Perth, because of the grass on the wicket and the outfield, you, you just don't normally get that. But I thought the young boy, Rambada, um, you know, and Philander, He's a lovely bowler. He bowls very similar to Terry Alderman in that he gets very close to the stumps. And I thought it was just typical of a real gutsy... I think they're well led by Faf um, Duplessis. And, um, you know, they've, they've, they've shown some real character, the South Africans. But even, you know, even if Australia have to chase 400 or 450, I'd still back our fellas because we couldn't bat as badly as we did in the first innings given that we got off to such a good start. But Mitchell Marsh at number six is a real worry. And mind you, I don't think Chairman of Selectors has helped at all with a couple <laughs> of comments. Um, one was, you know, that Jackson Bird didn't get a game because he's not batting too well. Jesus, we're, we're struggling, aren't we? We've, we've, we're relying on number 11 to bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to throw that one out. Mitch, Mitch Marsh, he, he's shown signs of being a very good player. Um, he's bowling well, he's fielding well, obviously he's good around the team. How important yep. is it for him to start making runs? Because with the amount oh. of cricket, and, I, and I'm a firm believer now, with the amount of cricket we're playing, we've got to have that backup bowl. And, and this is where South yep. Africa are in trouble because they haven't got a, a real bowling option in their, their top six. Dominey will bowl a little bit, but, little bit um, mate, but Mitch Marsh, to hold his place in the side, he's got to get some runs, doesn't he? Oh, God, you mate. He's batting at number six and he's averaging 20. That's less than half of what, what you should be should be doing, you know. Now, you, you can hang on to blokes for, uh, for so long with potential, but he, has, he didn't have a good shield game. But this is where our program... I, I mean, if you could write a, a worse program for a preparation <laughs> for a test series, we're doing it. I know every single pass player, I know even the selectors, everybody keeps saying, well, mate, we need at least two or three shield games in October. Forget about the Matador Cup. We'll have that later on or tacking them on to the end of a shield game. And if the Mitchells start to be pulled out after two days bowling, um, this is when he will get injured. Is when he's got a, you know, it's a hot day today. His bowling has suffered because he doesn't have good physical rhythm and he tends to be pushing the ball down leg side and your fatigue sets in. It's 35 or 37 today. So, mate, it's going to be nice, nice and hot. So, Mate, our sports science blokes, they should line them up against the wall and shoot them. <laughs> our great minds think alike. You must have been listening to us about 15 minutes ago when we were criticising no, the actual schedule. But, uh, well, Greg, but, but, was but, Greg from, uh, Greg from West, Meadows, West Meadows, uh, Meadows brought up the topic yeah. as we catch up with Kim program, Hughes, who's uh, a great friend of the program. Adam Voges, Kim, he limped off the field about an hour ago. Can you shed any light as to his condition? No, I don't. I'm just down here sort of watching my son at a cricket game, and um, I've been looking at the scores, but I didn't know that he's gone off the ground. Seems a bit um, of a hamstring injury. Oh, God. I mean, I mean you know, I, I can't remember in, in, in my whole career a batsman doing a hammy, for heaven's sake. All we've got to do is just jog up and down the ground. I mean, bowlers might do hamstrings and that sort of thing, but Adam, I know, is getting on a little bit, but that would be a real bluff if he's done a hammy, particularly if he's done it badly. 
Yeah, it looked one of those ones. He just clutched it. He walked off okay, so it might yep. be a strain. But even with the strain, you would think that he, he may miss um, up till 10 days. And that Well, and, and then they picked the squad for two, for the next test as well. So, yep. you know, it was good to see. I, I think young uh, Maddinson uh, scored a century today against Western Australia. Apparently batted very well. Yep. But the young boy that is batting very, very well is Marcus Harris for Victoria. I mean, yep. he's had... Three really good. He got a hundred and then a seventy odd, and he got another seventy. I think in this game, and and I see where uh, Maxwell scored an eighty odd, uh, and he'd be putting pressure. I would have thought on Mitchell Marshall bit though that Maxwell's bowling is at best average. He rolls them. He doesn't turn them. Um, and but but the fellow that is really having a blinder of a year and should have been named the Matador player of the of the series is Cameron White. Move. Yeah, he's I in good form, isn't he? Oh, mate, I couldn't believe that. Lebeshagny or Lebeshagny or whatever his name is. That's not his fault. He scored 240 or 250 runs. He got the man of the match. Cameron White got 440 or something. I mean, yeah. it was just absolutely ludicrous. He's made, so, he's made another 100 today too, Cameron White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and been not out. Yeah. So, you know, so it's tremendous to see a bloke like that. But last year, I think I'm right, um, mate, when I, when I said that he wasn't getting a game for Victoria, would that be about right move? Last um, year in the Shield... Yes, he came. He came back in late. Um, late. Saved yep. them at a game at Alice Springs to get him into the the Shield final. Into the fo- that's right. And yes. then did, yes. did recently. I think he got an eighty odd in the Shield final and final. sort of rejuvenated. Yep. But before that, they hadn't been picking him. Now, listen, I've got to ask you the question. I, I reckon yeah. it's the answer will like just titillate <laughs> our, our our audience here. How is your son going, um, mate? Um, well, Bradley, I've come down to watch it. And uh, he was 14, not out. And, um, mate, he got he tried to play a big cover drive and got an inside edge and was out. So I kicked the guts out of the cat. <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> if I was a dog, I would have played bloody things with the cars. I, it, it is shocking oh. being a father and watching. Oh, it's shit it out. <laughs> so was, it, was it caught behind or hit it onto the stumps? No, caught behind. I was inside going to say, edge. If he, inside edge, a big drive onto the stumps. The apple, apple didn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, another another apple not falling too far from the tree, uh, Jake Lehman. He got 100 also today. Um, yes, and, yeah. Oh, South yep. Australia are just all over Tasmania. Mate, but uh, just on that, I mean, how bad at Tasmania? I mean, that's not good for Australian cricket. I don't think we've seen as poor performances from a Shield side for a long, long while. I mean, what are they, four for 40? They got wristholds for... Uh, 90 odd or 130. Um, yeah, 90, you know, 98, I think it was. 97. 98. Yeah. So, mate, it's that's not good. And and then and then and then uh, South Australia were quite two oh. for 230 or something. They got oh. 480. So, that's not good to have. Um, you know, a, a really really poor Tasmania, and particularly they've got some they've got some experienced players there. You know, sometimes they've got all babies. But but anyway. There we are. So when, when yeah. they got sorry, when they got um, Jackson Bird, they got George Bailey, they got a few guys of, of senior yeah. status there. And, they, and yep. they seem to have a, like Alex Doolan's down there too, and, and he's, Dunk. He's, yeah, Dunk's he's, another one that's been around for a while. Uh, Tim Payne. So they're yes. they're struggling yep. a bit, aren't they? Yeah, well, they certainly are, and that's that, that's not good.
for a champ, I'd better go. Cal, I'm just, <laughs> you yeah, right. enjoy the cricket and warm weather. We are grateful okay. for your time here on Stumps. No, no trouble. See you, guys. Tim Hughes, who, who loves the chat. He does, doesn't he? He's a fantastic Mate, guy. He's just so enthusiastic about, about cricket. You've you got to love talking to him. And the good thing about it, he, he ha, he's got an opinion and he's, he's not scared to share it. So That's I think right. he's fantastic. And look, I think he's optimistic where reason allows it. And. Uh, he expresses pessimism, like in the case of Tassie, and yep. I think it's rightfully so in this case because they are underperforming in a in a big way. Well, it's more concern than pessimism. Yeah, it's just it's interesting um, that you know, he seems to he's down watching his son, but he knows what's going on around the country. So obviously he's, he's still interested. And he, he wants to get right into it, but um, to know what's going on in, in that game, um, I dare say he'd be following the West Australian New South Wales game. He, he knew of the Victorian game, and you just think, mate, the, the fingers on the pulse there. So uh, he's still pretty keen. Some breaking news regarding England, and that is so that James Anderson is set to return from a shoulder injury for their tour of India. So good news if you're a Pommy cricket fan. That is great news, and. It was interesting Bangladesh, wasn't it? I don't think we spoke about that. No, last last Sunday night where Unbelievable. Bangladesh get up over England, you, you would have thought that was miles off. But playing Bangladesh in Bangladesh, um, as you said, James Anderson wasn't playing there. They'd probably go over there. It was like us going to Sri Lanka. We would expect to win as England would expect to win there. Um, and I think they had a, a one-all series, mm-hmm. series tie. But more importantly for England... It serves as a good preview to what they're doing in India. Similar wickets, they're going to be playing against similar slow bowling. So it, it might be the, the wake-up call that they needed. Well, we touched on uh, a few of the Shield scores, Merv, so we'll just recap those. We went through the Tassie versus South Australia game. Tasmania batting first, they made 98. South Australia, 481, thanks to a 135 from Weatherall, 129 uh, from Jake Lehman that you touched on. And in reply in their second innings, four for 57. So trailing by 326 runs in that game at Adelaide. In the game between the Vicks and the Queenslanders, Victoria in a very solid position, leading by 230 runs as Queenslander 4 for 50 in their second innings. And uh, having had a look at the bowling performance, it was Holland who took 3 for 8 in the final session of play at the G Merv, who caused a bit of damage. Um, yeah, four for thirty-two did well. Tremaine uh, started the season really well, coming off the the South African One Day Tour. Um, he, he got pasted a bit over there, so it's great to see it hasn't dented his confidence. Um, Scotty Boland also mm-hmm. uh, doing well. So a uh, few Victorian blokes, probably not far off the mark. And when you think that White's making runs, Hanscom's making runs, Harris has been consistent at the start of the year, um, there's a few options there for the Australian selectors to, to look at. Now, got some breaking cricket news for you. Um, this is a bit ba- of, bound to be big, man. Uh, huge, huge. Uh, the Pegs boy. <laughs> oh, have, no. have, a, have a little bit of involvement with Peg School. Now, playing Xavier or Trinity, one of those schools out in Balloon there. Um, after 42 overs, had them 5 for 147, so not too bad. Reasonably pleased. Yeah, eight with overs the to go. At that point in time, yeah, I would have they, they snuck away to 198, which, which wasn't good. And the last score I heard, the Pegs boys were six for 25. Wow. Um, so not not great. Um, emphasise, I am the bowling coach down there, not the batting coach, <laughs> and I will be having a stern talk to him during the week. I'll, I'll be asking Bernard's. what happened in those last eight overs, move. Um, yes, that's that's a good call. I'd tend to overlook that one aside. <laughs> six for 25, Tristan. But thank you for pointing that out. Um, St. Bernard's fourths, um, 
I had a, had a talk to mate Phil Conlon today, playing for St Bernard's Force in the 2020. Um, they're chasing 194. Good luck with that. Um, I I would suggest they probably wouldn't get to to 50, but uh, good luck. And the Bulldogs, Footscray, Edgewater, Tristan, uh, the first had a magnificent win. Bold Melbourne Uni out for about 270 after making 320 last week. The Bulldogs, so had a win there. Um, seconds were in a tense battle. Six for 237, chasing 340. Our thirds, all out 54 the first week. <laughs> no good. Carlton declared, looked like an overnight score. Three for 130. Us all out 142. So I had a lead of 45. So uh, that was with about an hour and a half to go. So I'm tipping we might have gone down outright. And our fourths, nine for 188. We had Melbourne Uni chasing about 300, 310. So hopefully we are good enough to knock them over. So Footscray, Edgewater boys, mm, one, two, one's doubtful and lost outright. In the thirds. Oh, Not there good. you are. Merv's score recap. We'll press uh, him on his bowling coaching as well. We'll take a break on stumps uh, with uh, South Africa at three for 301 <laughs> with Elgar at the crease uh, alongside Faf Duplessis. Elgar on 114, Faf Duplessis on four. We'll take a break. One man who can bat is Chris Rogers. Uh, we caught up with him a little earlier uh, to talk about happenings in Perth. Also, his book, he'll join us next here on Stumps. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps. Listening to Stumps. That you are. Nice to have you with us. Tristan Fernanda with Merv Hughes. one 48 The Kookaburra Sport Open Line, Merv. And yes, I've, I've just, it's rather appropriate. It's a Kookaburra mm-hmm. Sports Open Line. A close personal friend of mine, Lee Watts, who's tied up with the Fitzroy Doncaster side, uh, just sent in that uh, Fitzroy Doncaster had a big win over St Kilda. Lloyd Mash. Um, it was a very, very good cricket and still is. Well known player. 135. So he's absolutely fair day at the him. office. Great and day at the office. One off the SMS, uh, someone suggesting Richmond has just beaten someone in controversial fashion. So we'll look at that a little bit more deeply, hopefully, before we finish the show. But we did have an opportunity uh, a short while ago of catching up with Chris Rogers uh, for his thoughts on the state of play over in the West and to discuss his uh, new book, Bucking the Trend, a fantastic name, and it promises to be a great read in the lead-up to Christmas. Here's what Chris Rogers had to say. It's an amazing test because it was almost all Australia for uh, a day and an hour, and then since then it's just been all South Africa and it was actually almost the the injury to Dale Stain that, that galvanised uh, the South Africans. So I'm not sure how. Sometimes, as you know, Murph, people just just find that ability to step up when when they get that extra responsibility, and, and that seems to what about happens. Now, what was the change? Um, you know, it just seemed to me that um, from the Australians' point of view, when Dale Stain went off, that ball started to go a little bit Irish, and and. The Australians didn't really handle that too well. The, the ball that got Usman Kawaja was a, a fair delivery, but full of length. He's still just trapped on his on on the crease. Is that a problem for Usman going forward? Uh, maybe. I mean, I mean, it's always going to be more difficult when the, the ball's moving, um, and it did start to swing. You, you just you just have to get through the, through those little tough periods. It's, I mean, it's hard to judge Uzi on on one inning so far this summer, but. Um, I guess there's there's been a few questions about how the Australian lineup copes with with a bit of swing. So 
if they do get it going reverse in the second dig, then there's, there's you know, there's going to be some um, questions that need to be answered. Well, South Africa, as we see, they're just going hell for leather at the moment. As you said, taking the new ball, the scoring rate's increased. Of the bowlers for Australia in the first innings, Stark was outstanding, but it just seemed that when we bowled him out for about 240, just thought, how, how good an effort's that? Um, they, they've done well. Do you think there may have been a, a bit of complacency from the batsmen um, when you get into such a strong position? Uh, it, it's hard to know. It, it, you know, you'd, you'd expect that they wouldn't. They probably felt that um, when Dallas Dane went down that, you know, it, it was just going to get easier and easier. I think one of the things they did do is they, they felt all they had to do was defend for an hour after lunch and, and then the change bowlers, you know, the part-time bowlers would come on and, and then they'd take them down. But that kind of got him into a negative mindset and, and South Africa took advantage of that in the end. Former Aussie test opener Chris Rogers joining us around Australia on Stumps. Chris, what do you make about the wicket? I listened with interest to Dave Warner saying it was probably quite batter-friendly late in the piece and uh, it had flattened out nicely, allowing fluent stroke play. I think it's been a brilliant wicket. Uh, you know, there's, there's been pace and bounce. And, and Murph, you, you remember when you came here, that, that's what you want. You're not expecting um, big sideways moves. You, you just want the ball to carry through. And, and there has been that. Um, it, it just means you have to do both disciplines well. You have to bat well. You have to bowl well. And, and at different stages, different teams have, have, have done that. But right at the moment, South Africa are batting amazingly. Uh, just go back to the bowlers because I'm pretty bowler friendly, as you'd imagine. This, um, <laughs> this young Rabada from South Africa, uh, I, I haven't seen much of him before, and must admit, I only saw him bowl a bit. But he, he looks like he's quite capable. Mate, he's, I think he's going to be brilliant. He's he's raw. Um, he, he runs in and pretty much lets them go. And, and early on, Davey Warner took him down. You know, he he, he will bowl bad balls, um, and Davey got him, but. Then once he he kind of got into his work and he got the ball reversing, he was he was a handful and, and he bowls quick. Some of his bounces, uh, you know, uh, the boys were pretty happy to get out of the way. So um, yeah, there's a lot to like about him, and, and there's going to be a lot lot of pressure on him now because Stain's obviously gone for the series. Well, with Stain gone, that opens the door for Monet Morkel. Were you surprised uh, that he wasn't in the side, or is is that been coming? Do you think? Um. It, it's hard to know. I, I always, I still think that you, you you need to play a spinner here, just even a holding role or, or whatever. Um, it, probably his bounce here would would have been would have been you know very difficult to to um, play. But there's also a you know a rumour that he wasn't quite fit. So um, in the end, the spinners have to do a big job, and he'll do a huge job in the second innings as well. So maybe they actually got the call right. Chris, as we let you go, we do thank you once again for your time. You've released a book. Tell us about it. What can we expect to enjoy? Because having a look at some of the excerpts, I should say, you talk about some of your brash days as a youngster, but also the, the ecstasy felt in the test arena as well. Yeah, I, um, my story, I wasn't really interested in writing the autobiography, but um, Rick Olerenshaw was my used to be my agent. He, he just insisted that... Uh, it would be a good story. So I ended up writing most of it. Um, yeah, a lot about my journey, and, and I don't try to um, create too much drama. There's, there's a few of those books out at the moment, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, wanted, wanted, it was happy to tell my story, and, and, and hopefully it's a decent read. We'll leave Chris there, Merv. Grateful for your time, and we'll see you again soon. Um, well, I won't be in next week. 
Hate more the week the- after. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.